Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Robin Harris from 3hellos.com. That's the number 3hellos.com. She specializes in marketing for small businesses, has a passion for online platforms, online education. We're going to get into all of it. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. How, you. how did your journey evolve into marketing for small businesses? Can you tell us like who you serve and like what your angle is? Actually, I, my, the clients I seem to be attracting are uh, they're experts. They have brick and mortar businesses. They do phenomenal work. They've got 20 plus years of experience in, you know, different disciplines. And they're like, I can't keep doing this forever offline. I need to bring my some component online and I need to duplicate myself. So they're bringing some pieces of their business into online courses. So I'm helping them take these courses and put them online. But the, the primary issue is not taking their expertise and putting it online. It's how to market once they've got that done. So I just kind of like, oh, we need to tackle this sooner rather than later because the last thing I want them to do is we put the course online and then they're looking at me because they're not having people, you know, come and sign up like as soon as they like quote launch, right? It's almost uh, cliche at this point. The whole problem, if you build it, they will come is kind of the mindset. And we talk a lot on this show and I go on and on about it. The five hats problems of being an expert, being a community builder, being a teacher, being a technologist, and being an entrepreneur. And the the entrepreneur skills of marketing, selling, pre-selling, if you, and the technology, I'm not saying it's easy, but, uh, you know, that's the problem I've been working on for a while at Lifter LMS is to make it easier for a non-technical person or someone with basic WordPress knowledge to kind of get the course and the e-commerce set up. But, at the end of the day, if you build it, if you just build it, they will not come. Right. <laughs> so, we like the empty classroom, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, before we get into marketing and pre-selling and what these some what some experts should be thinking about or starting sooner than later, um, can you tell us about the digital ecosystem and? Uh, the WordPress ecosystem and the culture of free. We were talking about that a little bit in our pre-chat. What are, what's going on there? Well, the, I'm, I've got noisy bracelets on. I thought I was like, okay, take the bracelets off because they're noisy as heck. <laughs> um, what most people, a lot of people have not like really uh, connected the dot about how the landscape is changing. And this environment, the online environment changes fast. It's happening faster, 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 faster. So what you could do five years ago that worked, that wouldn't put you at odds with the law, do it today (laughs) and see what happens. So the landscape is changing and the consumer is becoming more mature. And also the consumer has been socialized into getting things for free online. Mm -hmm. And now what's happening with all the, you know, the 
uh, privacy policy, the whole issue with Facebook. People are, are concerned about the misuse of their private information. That's kind of throwing a monkey wrench and anybody who's putting up a website online, unless it's just your family and your friends visiting, you need to be concerned about this because you could actually be breaking the law. So the digital ecosystem is all of the pieces that play together for us to be online, be productive, and have a business. You're not going to just put up a website and that's not going to be it. You need to connect a shopping cart to it. You need to, you know, uh, be able to get emails so that you can, you know, stay connected with your people. You need, you know, a CRM so you can manage your customer relationship. You got to plug, you need a calendar if you do appointments. You got to plug all this stuff in to your website, whether it's WordPress or any other site. So what happens is all of these things don't always play well together. And what's particular about website, uh, about WordPress, is you can just go plug in crazy. Yeah. And just add, plug in, plug in, plug in, plug in, plug in after plug in. And what you end up with is a mess. I see that at Lyft LMS, like on our technical support team. If we look at a ticket, like somebody submitting a support ticket, we can see what plugins they have installed. Right. If I see like 50 plugins down there, I'm like, oh, there's somebody who's new to WordPress. <laughs> right. And if I see somebody with like five, six, seven plugins, I'm like, oh, they've probably been around a while and they're like <laughs> picking and choosing the what is right. essential for them. Right, right. And and I, Chris, I was surprised. I did some testing. Um, some of my, some of the like name brand plugins that that you would think would have taken in performance and compliance all into scope, you you put them in and they tank your site's performance. I mean, like triple the time it takes for your site to load. Or like if you put like YouTube, like if you embed YouTube videos, it's adding, I kid you not, 18 cookies to your site. So I, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I could do this thing over here for free, YouTube, or I can go over here and pay for something like Vimeo, which drops one cookie and it's not doing any tracking. So, I mean, it, it's almost daunting. And like I say, those kinds of dilemmas don't change whether you, because if you're on WordPress or you're not on WordPress, you, you need to kind of like, level up your understanding of what that ecosystem means and what you need to monitor and do some work to find the pieces that really work for your business. Yeah, that's, that's really well said. And I want to transition into the culture of free thing. Like YouTube's free, uh, Facebook's free. Um, and there's a saying when I first heard it, it, it kind of made me scratch my head, which is if it's free and you're not sure you are the product. <laughs> so right. Uh, could you elaborate on that? Like why does YouTube have 18 cookies? Well, it's what's it trying to do is well, serve okay. you ads. Yeah. Right? 
the other thing it does, it does some things really good. I mean, I'm, I'm not cookie adverse and I don't care that the shoes that I saw on Amazon are, are stalking me all over the internet. I don't care about that. I do care about the misuse of my, my information and putting my privacy at risk for, you know, um, bad, doing bad things, right? But what happens is these services are being financed by ads. Yeah. Facebook is financed by ads. YouTube is financed by ads. So the idea that it's free, no, it's not free. Somebody's paying for it. And the way that you allow that um, ecosystem to, to function is you agree to give up some of your privacy so that they can serve you ads that you are more likely to engage with. Whether you realize it or not. Whether you realize it or not. So now what happens when you say, I don't want you to put the cookies, like you have to opt in, like consciously opt in and say, yes, market to me. Who's going to say yes, market to me when you go to their site? Yeah, not a lot. <laughs> so people, what's, what's happening is people are saying, oh my God, I'm not getting... I'm not, my, my remarketing is dropping. My, my email list uh, effectiveness is dropping because people aren't going to say, yes, market to me. So now that's a whole different dilemma that the digital entrepreneur or anybody trying to operate on this platform has to deal with. And I think the shock is going to come when we as digital entrepreneurs realize that we played a part in training people to expect everything to be free. So now we got to start placing more value on our digital assets and everything can't be free. Now we've got to start factoring in, okay, it costs me to be in business. I can't give everything for free. So I'm, you know, now if you want YouTube and you don't want the ads, you got to pay. It's $9 a month. I wouldn't be surprised if Facebook comes up with a subscription model. Because if everybody opts out, they're out of business. You know? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Do you have any comments on the culture of free where... It's not free for advertising purposes, but it's like, you know, like WordPress, the core operating system is free. Uh, that's one thing. Like even with us over at Lifter LMS, the core product is free. You know, like page builders, like Beaver Builder and Elementor, they have a light version that's free. Mm-hmm. Those, so are, those are, that's, that's your marketing strategy. Right. It's, it's part of, it's so people say they don't want you to market to them, but you just you it's it's kind of like being two faced it because yeah. you took my free thing. What do you think I'm doing? You think I'm in business to give everything away for free? No, that's that's like when you go into Sam's Club or or whatever that Costco and they have the the food there. They're not just giving it to you because they're nice. They want you to buy something. <laughs> yeah, it's so, a free sample. <laughs> it's a sample. Or when they send you the little tie things or samples in the mail, it's because they want to get you hooked so that you will buy something. So, and I think the allure behind Facebook 
and and I mean not Facebook, WordPress, and even sites like the the free Wix sites and oh I hate those things, but those free sites is because WordPress by itself is like a house frame with drywall. Yeah. And nothing else. <laughs> it's really not very useful. You really have to put the plugins in it. And what the what the plugins do, they give you the free version, but I want to know what, what the paid version is because when you get the free version, you don't get support. When it's free, you're wondering how are they keeping it up to date? Are they keeping it secure? You know, are they keeping it compatible when WordPress comes out with the next version, right? So you get this free thing, but if there's not a paid component to it, I don't want it. I don't want it. Because a developer who's developing these really cool things, guess what? That's how he makes his living. So if the money's not coming in from somewhere, he's going to actually start neglecting those plugins, right? Yeah, you can't really serve. I mean, there has to be like an energy exchange or whatever. You can't, if you want to serve somebody and give away everything for free or way too low price, ultimately that's going to be a problem. Right. And it becomes unsustainable. Yes. Yes. We're, it's, it's a, charities actually have to go and get, they have to advertise to people that will give them money. And in exchange for that, you know what those people get? get tax write-offs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's always this, there's always this exchange. So the idea that I want something for free and I don't want to give anything in exchange for that is that's that's a culture of an enablement. And we see that kind of, I mean that's that's kind of all over the place, but we really it's really hurting us online. And so Digital entrepreneurs, we need to do something to actually bump up the value, the perceived value of our digital assets. Yeah, one of, one of the metaphors I think about a lot is, and part of the problem, if you have a digital business that like runs through the internet, let's say online learning or a training school, if you had like a physical school building out somewhere or like some kind of academy for some niche topic, you'd have, you know, I don't know. 50,000, 100,000, half a million dollars worth of real estate or rent. You would have, uh, you know, buildings, personnel coming in, staff, like tools, all these things. It's really easy to see like the overhead of like a university as an example. But if you look at an online business where a website is kind of the business, it's, um, to the outside looking in, sometimes it just looks like a screen that's about like one foot wide or one foot tall (laughs) or even smaller on the smartphone. (laughs) But what if, what if you get the same, I'm not saying, you know, you, it's always even, but what if you're able to get the same or a little less or better results from the online version than the, uh, than the like brick and mortar thing. Is it less valuable because it's digital or, I mean. Actually, it's, it's more value, valuable because, um, I live in, I'm in Georgia and anybody knows anything about the Atlanta area, the, the traffic 
oh my gosh. So if I have to drive someplace that's really 30 minutes in traffic, it could be up to two hours. Wow. So if I had to go to this place, because I've been working from from home for like nine years, Um, I'm thinking about getting some office, but I have to factor that commute in, but is my time valuable? When you go to a course and and you listen to the lecturer and you've got to take the notes, if your notes were not good and you need to kind of like re-engage with that material and all you have are your funky notes. <laughs> yeah. There's no video to rewatch or there's whatever. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's a it's a super good point. A super good point. Um and the other thing is you're not geographically limited. Like if you have some niche interest in something, there may be somebody on the other side of the planet that's the best teacher about it. That right. So right. like I have, um, I have an interest in animation. Okay. So I'm a writer, also creative writer. So I'm doing an animation story and I've got like superhero characters and all this other kind of cool stuff. My animator is in the UK. Okay, cool. And we work through an online platform. And I'm like, okay, drop this in the Dropbox. Okay, let me see this. And and so now this allows me to, you know, my specialist effects guy is in India. Wonderful guy, does all this really cool stuff. So, and then another person I work with was in Croatia. I have at, at, at my disposal, I can get the best people that I can afford, and it doesn't matter where in the globe they are. Technology has made that possible. And, I, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the global internet. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's really hard to fathom how big the internet really is. And some people I've heard it put this way that the real genius of it all isn't the information age or access to the information. It's the connection, the ability to connect with people like essentially anywhere. It's it's truly amazing. Well, let's shift over into um, the the marketing and the pre-selling. And if you build it, they will not come. Uh, you, you identified an issue with, where, you know, your clients, if they're going to have courses, they need to be marketing much earlier. Can you talk about the problem and what, what you're doing to combat that or what you recommend, especially for a course builder who's just getting started? Okay. I think, um, it, it, it applies not just for courses, but for course builders. I, I work with clients. They have expertise. They, they have brick and mortar businesses. They've been in business 20 something years. They're truly amazing at their area of expertise and they want to teach. And it, they actually, it's time for them to duplicate themselves and be able to create passive income streams pass that knowledge on to the next generation and also prepare for retirement because they don't want to keep working the hands on there. Like a yoga studio who is with a massage therapist and a, a woman who has an amazing spa with all of these therapies. And so getting their expertise into a course content 
that's going to be so easy because they know their material. They, they know they built businesses based on this. They with paying know customers with paying customers. Right. Yeah. But so when they put this content into a course, the, the misconception is, okay, now I have a course and it's just going to like sell itself. Yeah. And and now they've invested all this money in creating this course and the time that it takes to ramp up and to get your marketing, it could be another six months because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of brick and mortar businesses don't have an email list or if they do, I mean, they may have like their customer list. Yeah, customers. Yeah. That's different from like a prospect list or. Or, or therapists who want to own their own spas or, or whatever, because basically what she wants to do is franchise herself, right? Franchise her, her, her business. So what I'm having my clients do as they're building out their course, we need to pull the marketing way, way up because the goal is that by the time they have something to sell, they have the community that's made up of their ideal customers salivating and ready because they've been engaging, they've been providing uh, value, they've actually gotten in more inside the, the ideal customer's head. Like my one client, um, we were looking at um, um, keyword search. Mm-hmm. And what, we, what she discovered was the language that she was using is not what people are looking for. She has a large audience, but she would it would have been a total mismatch. She would have created all of that content and it wouldn't have resonated with her ideal client. There's two there's two names for that. One of them is uh, called expertitis. You're just so close to it and you're so advanced that maybe you forgot what like the beginner's mind or when they're kind of first becoming aware of this problem or this opportunity. Uh, another name for that is techno babble. Like if you spend a lot of time in an industry, right. like I could start talking in a bunch of like WordPress technical terms if I wanted to, but I don't, I, I talk about building online courses and websites. I never, I try to never forget what it's like to like be at that point where I'm thinking, you know, I, I want to build my first website. What does that person talk like? What are the words they use? But I think that's a great, insight and you're taking a data-driven approach to doing it through actual keyword research. So it's not just pulling it out of the air, it's pulling it out of the data. It's, it's what you think the market wants is probably not what the market wants. And also it gives you an opportunity to say, I, I worked in corporate, I'm 25 years, retired. But what we would do is somebody would get a brilliant idea and it's like, you know what? Let's do a pilot. Right. Before we go spend a million dollars going down the wrong road, let's spend 10000 and see if anybody really wants this. Some validation. And yes. So your mar- when you bring your marketing piece up, you can actually start validating your idea. You can actually address the the core issues in your content that's coming up for people because you've been in conversation with them. 
it just to me it just makes sense. Why would you want to spend all this time and money and effort putting putting a course together and and then it's not something that the market wants to buy? What are some other ideas you have around specific types of marketing and validation? Like you mentioned, keyword research, which comes into handy for language and what course to build, what problems people are actually searching for, um, competitors and things like that. How do you pilot or how do you pre-sell? Um, how do your community build? Like what are some of the things you recommend? I would say, so this is where Facebook can come in handy. Um, but I, I, I like content marketing. Um, and you can do your, what happens, so we're going back to an ecosystem. So instead of treating your social media like it's just something sitting over here, your website is something sitting over here, your course is something, and they're all like doing their own thing. What you're going to do is you create, um, you create your core topics, the core topics that are relevant. And they don't all have to be course driven because nobody... It can be related topics, adjacent topics, kind of like lead-in topics, and 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 different things like that. So you create this this these core topics. You do your keyword research, and then you actually create content hubs around the topic. So you could start the conversation on Facebook and end it on your blog. And that is cool. Opting that, in to a, a piece of gated content that upgrades and relates to that same conversation. That is very cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a way more holistic approach than like, oh, you just need a, a Facebook group or you need a lead magnet. Like, it's more holistic. Can you tell us about the customer journey? Okay, this is this is interesting. It's kind of. Uh, based on the hero's journey, we all have, we all have, we're all on our own journey. But the customer's journey has to do with a customer will be in different places, a, a potential customer prospect when they first. So the hardest customer to work with to get to get in is a customer that doesn't know they have a problem, and and I'm I'm sure you've probably seen people trying to sell something to people, yeah, it might help them, but they don't see it as a problem. Like if you're trying to sell somebody on eating healthy and they're like, I'm the fast food queen. It's yeah. a, you think it's a solution, but to them it's a suggestion. <laughs> yes. So, but then there are people, there's an awareness phase. There's awareness. We call it tofu, mofu, bofu. Top of funnel, the middle of the funnel, the bottom of the funnel. The more down to the bottom you get, the more they're ready to take out their credit card and buy something. At the top, they're just doing research. I'm thinking about uh, remodeling my house. So you might be going out, looking at pictures, Googling different ideas, collecting pictures or whatever, but you're not ready to commit to anything, right? You're just doing research. Well, that audience is larger than the buying audience. Out of so many of those people, a percentage of those people are going to drop into the middle of the funnel where they're ready to, okay, I think I'm going to start with redoing my kitchen. 
So now they settled on a certain thing they're going to look for. Now they're researching, doing their kitchen, and they're going to compare. They're comparison shopping. So you might come up as one of the possible options. And then the bottom of the funnel is they're ready to make a final decision. And so this is where you kind of set, this is a place where you're kind of separating yourself from the rest of their possible uh, kitchen remodeling people, right? And, and that's where the sale is made. So the content and the conversations you have change depending on where the person is. Have you ever gone into a store and you're just browsing and the salesperson is like, oh my God, like creepy stalking you. Feels like, aggressive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, these are on sale. It's like, well, I'm not looking for that. You know, and following you around the store, whatever. That's that's the mismatch. And and just like it feels creepy or, or uh, um, unpleasant when you go into a store, it feels unpleasant online. And that's really, I think, what has made people so like this when it comes to, to marketing. Because they feel like they're being assaulted. Yeah, that's, um, that is a huge problem there. And they're just getting the wrong thing in the wrong part of the, of the funnel. Another way I like to describe that is the, uh, they go from unaware to problem aware to solution aware to product aware. Right. So if we use an example, like, um, let's just say I have a course on <clears throat> like becoming gluten-free, like a gluten-free cooking course. At the unaware phase, I'm not trying to sell somebody a gluten-free cooking course. I'm just trying to get their attention. So the content I might have is like something about um, how a 47-year-old with you know some eczema and inflammation uh, completely cured themselves through through some uh, weird with a weird experiment. That might be a blog right. post. Right. And where they like kind of accidentally gave up gluten for a week and this lifelong issue they had just magically cleared up. Right. Now they're becoming problem aware. So then I might have some content about like, oh, what is, so what's the difference between celiac disease and a gluten allergy or a gluten sensitivity? And then they become solution aware of like, well, there's courses, there's doctors you can talk to, there's nutritionists. And then they become product aware of like specific products that they could try. And I mean, it was, it's just totally different content in that customer journey. Right. <laughs> right. And I think people like the really annoying salesperson is they're always down at the bottom of the funnel, screaming at the people at the top of the funnel. Right. <laughs> um, Ryan Dice from Digital Marketers uses the dating analogy. It's okay. like going to a bar and the creepy girl comes over and says, um, she's ready. Uh, she, she wants to pick out wedding rings, right? <laughs> yeah. Or the guy who, who, who is like, really like trying to take you home. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dude, I just met you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's like a whole other, you know, thing to become just, are we even compatible? Do we like hanging out with each other? There's actually a psychology about intimacy. And, okay. and basically, this came from that uh, realm of understanding. There are about 12 steps humans go from meeting each other to let's get married or 
you know, let's keep, let's spend our life together. Right. And what they found is you can skip one or two steps, but if you skip three, it's like that, that puts you in the realm of a stalker or, or, or sexual harassment or something like that. Right. But if, so the same thing happens in the buying cycle. There's maybe like five or six, you, you mentioned six, you can, you might can skip one or you might can speed through. But if, if you skip two, it, it feels weird to the, to the, uh, to your uh, potential client. It feels unnatural. And it also, it makes you, makes the, the company seem inauthentic and uncaring and like they're just about the money. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think one idea that popped into my head as you were talking about that is if you have something like, let's take the dating marriage thing, um, maybe like if you're, you have a course about how to, uh, for, for marriage happiness or something after seven years or something, you might have a bunch of free content that's going step one of like how to meet people, step two, uh, about like dating advice, step three, you know, choosing to engage engagement or whatever, and you know, getting married. And then they get to the paid course of like, here's how to, you know, make it last or whatever. So sometimes a product just sits like across like maybe steps uh, five to eight Whereas the first steps in the process are part of the marketing. There's like plenty of material. And now you've built a relationship with someone, like you said, who when the time is right, they're eager and already sold and ready to buy from you. Right. Another thing I'm having my clients do is um, I'm having them, their courses are like mastery level courses. And this is, you talked about the expert. That's too much. That's too much, too much too soon. What can you peel out of that that is suitable for the beginner who wants to see if this is worth, you know, investing in? And and what we want to do is basically have this. It's got to be related, though. That's problem with lead magnets, you know, with people that offer lead magnets that has nothing to do with the next step you want them to take. So it's got to be closely related, so close that the natural, the natural next step is something in your, um, something in your course. So a lot of times just having one product doesn't work. You need to create like the baby, ver- the, the, the baby version of it, that's the introduction and then something depending on how expensive your course is something in the middle. So I went from like the $69 course and I've done this $69 course to the $600 course to the $7,000 course, but there is no way I would have come in the door and went to the $7,000 course. No, not, not never. That's a never. And also the more expensive your course is, the more work you have to do to gain that trust for them to spend that money with you. So you got to invest more in the upfront pieces and the upfront contents. And I like one content uh, client is like, they don't want to give anything away. 
They just want, it's like nobody's going to come and just start spending money with you unless it's $7. That's the tripwire, yeah. right? And that's relative. If you're selling something for $10, the tripwire could be $500, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. It's, it's, a long, it's a long-term thing. These aren't, um, it's often bigger, like there's a bigger process in play. Um, it's important to look at the time horizon. You know, it's not just the launch and here we go. It's like, this is a relationship with a prospect, a potential customer that's been developing across multiple channels, media, time. Uh, and you're learning how through keyword research to engage with the right words that they're using so that they can understand what you're talking about. Right. Right. So many good tips. Um, three hellos.com. That's the number three H E L L O S.com. Robin mm -hmm. Harris, where else can people connect with you on the internet? I'm on Facebook. Three hellos. Um, I'm on Twitter, Robin M. Harris 21. I'm on LinkedIn. I think it might be Robin M. Harris 21 too there. You just look for Robin Harris. But I haven't made it to Instagram yet. That's the other thing is people try to be too many places, to, you know, and it's just, I can't. I don't have the bandwidth. So those are the three places. And I'm right now actually um, – doing a proof of concept for myself for uh, actually creating a, a site that is optimized for my keywords. And that is the hyphen SEO dot company, the hyphen SEO, the SEO company. And you can go to that site and actually get a free audit for your site. It'll audit the first 10 pages and, and let you see what Google sees when it goes that, and it'll give you some good insights into my site needs some work. <laughs> That's awesome. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Right. Uh, so head on over to podcast.lifterlms.com and you'll see the episode with Robin there. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it, on your podcast. Robin, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and experience with us. Thank you for inviting me.